We start a brand new series today. Start a new church, start a new series, right? Nothing wrong with that. Um, we start a brand new series today called Fresh Start, and, and this, I, I'd like to talk about why we're doing this new series, and I'm going to explain that by explaining what we believe to be true, because I think it's good for what you believe to be true to frame what you believe life could be, right, and, and what life is. And so we're going to spend four weeks having a new series called Fresh Start, and, and we believe a few things, and these are those things that we believe. Is, is the first one is this, is that we believe that life can be made new on earth because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's something that we believe. We believe that you can enter into a life here on earth in the circumstances that you might find yourself in, and we believe that the old things of life can pass away and the new things of life can come. And we believe that that life is made possible here on earth today. Uh, something else that we believe is that a new world, a new way of life has been inaugurated here on earth. We call that the kingdom of God. And what we believe about the kingdom of God is that Jesus is actively at work making all things right. And so we believe that there is an opportunity for us as people here on earth to step in to this new thing, to have a fresh start, so to speak, to step into a new way of thinking, a new way of perceiving, a new way of interpreting and discerning the life around us, and that there is a new life that we can enter into, a life where Jesus is present and a life where he is guiding our path. So we call that the kingdom of God. We believe in the possibility of the kingdom of God being something that we can participate in here on earth. And we believe that that invitation to participate in such a life is an invitation that is given to all people freely. And we believe that what needs to be done in order to accept such an invitation is to trust God with your life. <laughs> Trust that the creator of the universe, the one that created you and you and all of you and me and everyone, cares about you so deeply and has a love that is so profound for you, a love that is unlike any other. You step into a life where you feel as though you are walking with that creator, that one that loves you so, so much. And so we think it would be good of us to spend a couple of weeks and talk about the fresh start that enables us to do so. We believe that it is time for something new. Can you say that with me? It's time for something new. We believe that there are new mercies for us every single day. Whether we have entered into this new way of living years ago or whether it's something we do for one time, first time in any given day, we believe that it is time for something new. And so we're going to take four weeks and figure out how Jesus frames up what that new life might look like, what that new thing could look like for us. And today is kind of an introduction into the weeks that will follow, talking about what kind of a life we believe that Jesus came down to earth, gave himself for us to live. What, what kind of a life is that? And so that's where we're going to kind of begin our time today. 
Um, if you would like to follow along with us in the scriptures of the story that we really, really hope shapes us this morning, then I would invite, if you brought your Bibles, uh, to turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. If you did not bring a Bible with you but would like to follow along, in one of the chairs in front of you by your feet is a Bible, and uh, we would more than welcome you to follow along with those. If you do not have a Bible of your own, okay, I want you to take that Bible, I want you to take a pencil or a pen and write your name on the front sticker because that's your Bible. Um, we, we want you to be able to go home with that if you don't have a Bible of your own. So that's our gift to you today. You got a Bible. It's a beautiful thing. Um, this is an interesting thing now. Starting a new church, you, you, you don't want superstition to be a part of it, right? This, this is why I say that. We're going to be on page 1,666. Um, all right, that's enough we'll say about that. We're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 10, starting at verse 7. It's going to be on the screen. It's in front of you. Let's turn to the Word and, and, and explore what Jesus would have for us today. So let us, let us read this together. It, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out, and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they would have life and have it to the full. Yeah. I hope that those words spoken by Jesus to his disciples and to the crowd that was there, I hope that those words profoundly shape us today, shape us as people and, and shape, up, shape us as a church as well. But if you've never heard that passage before, you might be confused about some of the imagery that's used there because truth is, a lot of times when Jesus is accounted for speaking in the New Testament, he uses a lot of imagery in order to communicate what he's actually trying to say. Um, is that a passage about sheep and shepherds and farmers and whatever it looks like to take after sheep, or is that a passage about something else? And, and, and that's what I would like us to talk about today. So I actually want to bring up a couple of different observations that we find from that passage. And the first one is this is that people, or what we can call sheep, right? We're using some imagery today, are constantly looking for life. I think this is what Jesus is kind of saying in this passage, but it's also something to, to look at today. This is what I mean by that, is I think that what Jesus is wanting us to hear this morning is that there is a deep desire for all of us to find something. Would you agree with that? I, I think that if we really got serious with ourselves, we would come to an understanding that our life's journey, we think, is in the trajectory of something. And that could be anything from however we define meaning or purpose or fulfillment to how we define things like safety and security. And here's a word stability. 
I, I, feel, I feel oftentimes these are things that we kind of go out and, and seek and try to go out and find. We also find ourselves looking for things, maybe this will resonate, you with this, resonate with you this morning, looking for things like belonging, looking for things like affirmation, looking for things like justification. I think if we really, really, really got serious with ourselves for just a moment, I think we would realize that we're looking for something. And it changes. But what I also want to talk about is where that something is coming from. Because it's not just a thing, it's also there is a source to that thing, that goal, that end in mind. And so another observation that we have from this passage is that there are sources of life all around us. There are sources all around us that provide that list of things, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, stability, security, belonging, affirmation. There are sources of those things, or at least things that we perceive to be sources of those things that we seek. And, and we can admit that today, whether it is a person, whether it is an organization, or a career or a project that you might have, whether it is a habit or a pattern or a certain ideology that you may have, whether it is a product or a service, and here is a word I like, whether it is stuff, right? The, the, the stuff, the physical things that we end up acquiring in life, for some, end up being the sources of those things that we are either consciously or subconsciously seeking out. And I want to make a third and final observation. This is my favorite one of the day. Is that Jesus makes possible another way of living. That is a truth. That's a hope that we have staked this entire series on. It's really a, a truth and a hope that we stake this entire church on. Is that Jesus is actively at work making things new. And so it's this other way of living that I would actually like to spend the rest of our time talking about. And I want to begin that discussion by talking about how people organized and categorized themselves when Jesus was actually on earth having his ministry and, and talking about some of the things, even the things that we read today. I want to talk about how people, how sheep, then organized themselves then, and I think it just might give us insight into how we tend to organize ourselves today. In the time of Jesus, when he was on earth, the, the biggest line that was ever drawn in the sand, the, the social sand, so to speak, is if you were Jewish-born or born of a Jewish bloodline, or if you were born of a non-Jewish bloodline, if that makes sense. Kind of hard for us to grasp here in the United States, but that was kind of the biggest line that was drawn in the sand was, is your bloodline of Jewish descent or is it not? A word that they used in this time of day, you might have been familiar with it, is Jew and Gentile. If you're familiar with the scriptures at all, it's pretty much saying we have Jews, people who are Jewish, or Gentiles, which really just means not Jewish. And that was the biggest line that was drawn in the sand in culture that day. But one of the more interesting parts of that is that within Jewish heritage, 
there was also categories and distinctions that were made. So we're, we're in the, the Jewish corner here, but I want to list off a couple of different groupings of people that, if you're familiar with the scriptures at all, you would have heard these terms, especially in the New Testament, pop up. I want to give you a, a list of even how people in Jewish heritage categorize themselves. Groupings of people called Pharisees. You might be familiar with that. Sadducees. Uh, there's a group of people called the Herodians, and there's groups of people called the Zealots, and there are more than those four, but those are just a couple examples of categories that people then place themselves in. For example, the Pharisees um, were very much involved in the ritual or the, the, the practices or the ritual that they felt was required in order to participate in what we would call church or order to participate in religion and things like that. So the Pharisees were very much uh, categorized and, and, and split up in that realm of, of ritual. One of the distinctives of the Sadducees is that they didn't believe in life after death, which is pretty interesting. Actually pretty uncommon in that day as well as today is that they didn't believe that there was life after death, which is incredibly prominent in where just south of them is this Egyptian culture where there is so much discussion of the afterlife. There was this group of people living in that way called the Sadducees that, that didn't um, believe that there was life after death. We've got different groups of people, which means that we have different ways of thinking, and it means that we have different ways of living. Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say? But I'm wondering if we could agree on a few things this morning. The first one is this. Does our world today sound that much different? I mean, if, if we're going to be honest for a moment, perhaps on the surface we would find that there are categories of people. That there are different ways of life being lived out, people thinking different things, organizing themselves into different different categories, different labels, different groupings, and, and those different ways of thinking also influence many, many different ways of life. And I'm wondering if we could confess a few things. A little bit of confession, right? Confession hour. Is on the surface, it just seems like there are a lot of people living a lot of different ways. Doesn't it seem like that? Can we confess another thing? is that we don't do a good job dealing with that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Very easy to say that there are a lot of people living, if we're being honest, different than you. <laughs> and that's okay. I think what we really do want to come to terms with, though, is we don't often at times do a good job at dealing with this reality that there are so many different people living in so many different ways. So this is what I want to do. I want to take that reality, I want to take what we've talked about so far and jump back into our story. As we were reading a couple of those verses from the Gospel of John, you may have noticed language talking about thieves and killing and stealing and destroying. And you might have thought to yourself, what on earth is going on there? <laughs> what is actually being talked about there? And so I actually want to address that. I, I want to talk about what Jesus might be saying to us today 
with using some of that language. I think that Jesus knows that there are different ways of life that people are leaving, living. And I think that Jesus knows this, that sometimes those ways of life, sometimes those particular ways of thinking leaves us feeling like we have been robbed. Maybe not every day, and maybe it didn't take anyone to <clears throat> break into your house or whatever. But have you ever laid your pillow, have you ever laid your head on your pillow one night and thought, man, I feel like I just got robbed today. I feel like life robbed me today. Um, I think Jesus knows that. I think that's why he uses some of this language. I think Jesus also knows that there are times where we feel like life is physically draining from our bodies. And I think Jesus knows that there are times where we feel like we are being broken down by life itself. Perhaps you can resonate with that. I think Jesus knows that there are people who live in certain ways and, and live with certain ways of thinking, and that influences certain ways of doing, where we feel like we got robbed, where we feel like life is being drained from us, where we feel like we're not actually at the end of the day getting those things that we listed off earlier, meaning purpose, fulfillment, security, success, and things like that. Now, I want to say this. If you have felt any of those ways before, I know I have. Um, if you have felt those ways before in your life, maybe you're feeling that right now. Does that automatically mean that you never feel happiness? And, and I don't think that's true. I, I think at certain times or another, we feel those positive things. And we get those glimpses of those positive things that we try and seek out. So does someone never feel happiness? I, I don't think so, but I do want to say this. Is that oftentimes the things that bring us happiness aren't the same things that relieve our sadness. Is that the pattern or the habit or the person or the organization or the ideology that, that brings us the positivity, that brings us the happiness, that brings us the joy, is not the same thing that is there when we're down on life? Something to know. Do people at times who feel like they've been robbed or, or that life is being drained from them, do at times they feel as though um, they have received a sense of victory? I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure that at times, sense of victory and fulfillment pop up. But this is what I'll say. Is that if you aren't living in such a way to where you feel unified with others then there are that many more people that you could perceive as a threat to you getting what you want to go get. That there could be that many more people that you feel are only there to cut in on the thing that you're trying to do. And so it can make it really, really hard when you feel those senses of victory, but then you drop right back out is because you realize that you're not necessarily unified with as many people as you wish that you could be in order to maintain this sense of victory? Do people who at times in life feel like they've been robbed, feel like that life is draining from their body, do they at times feel a sense of belonging or support or assurance? Maybe. But also, maybe not. And that is something that we really need to take seriously. 
people who experience this, if they were honest, probably don't want to feel like they're being robbed. Would you agree? Does anyone wake up in the morning and say, I hope I got robbed today? Um, If you're sitting in this room, maybe you're in this season right now, and you feel like you're just, life is just being taken from you. Maybe you feel like you just got robbed by that person, that organization, that people group, that ideology, and you just feel like those things that you're chasing are actually taking life from you. I want you to know something. It's okay. But I also want you to know that you might feel, I'm not saying you do, you might feel like there's just no other way to live. I'm just not in a season of my life where there is another option or another way for me to think, where there's another people group that I can associate with, where there's another way of life that I can enter into in order for me to kind of break this cycle of the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs, and I understand that. And I understand that the cycle of life can can really hit you hard. If you've ever experienced that cycle before, if you've ever been in that rut, if you're in that cycle right now, this is what I want you to know, is that Jesus has made possible another way to live on this earth and in this life, and he is ready to do something new. That is why we believe that it is time for something new to happen in your life, to happen in the life of your family. So I want to focus in on just one phrase that Jesus says to us today. This is the second half of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says this, I have come so that everyone could have a full life. There are only so many times in the scriptures where Jesus makes a definitive statement to why he, he gives the why behind why he actually came down to earth. And this is one of those few. I have come so that everyone could have a full life. And so let, just give me a couple of minutes to talk about what that full life even is. This is how I would define it is that you will be experiencing everything that God has to offer. And I want to say this before we get too far off, is that this does in no way, shape, or form include stuff, right? This in no way, shape, or form includes the house, the car, the job, the pair of shoes, whatever whatever it is, whatever it is. When we're talking about the full life that Jesus has to offer. It goes way beyond the stuff. And I just want to list off a couple of things of what this full life, I believe, consists of. Is feeling unconditional love from the creator of the universe in any season of life. That's what I believe is part of what it means to live a full life is that you experience unconditional love from your creator in any season of life. I believe that part of living a full life is seeing restoration in the areas of life that you view to be broken. 
If you feel like there's areas of your life that are just a little bit of broken, where you need a little bit of healing, where you need a little bit of help, I believe that the full life that Jesus offers us restores and heals those areas. I believe that what a full life could consist of is experiencing peace at a time you thought you could never experience it before. I want to say that again. Think of a time where you did not feel peaceful, where you did not feel like in your life at that given, given point in time that you were experiencing peace. I believe that there is a way, that there is a new world, that there is a new life that you can step into and enter into where that moment, if it were to happen again, you would actually feel peace from the creator of the universe. That you would feel peace from your God that loves you. I believe that. I believe that. I also believe that the list of those who you consider to be your enemy or your opposition or your teammates in life, I believe that that list shrinks significantly. Which means that you step into this new way of life and you step into a body, a group of people that is so unified regardless of so many non-essential things that have nothing to do with the best that Jesus has for us. I believe that part of experiencing this full life is knowing that without a doubt in your mind, Jesus is at work. In your life, in the life of your friends and family, in the life of your coworkers, in the life of your neighbors, in the life of your neighborhood, and in the life of your city, I believe that you can get to a place where you just know we, on a shadow of a doubt, you might not be able to see it or hear it or even feel it, but you just know that God is at work. I believe that to be true. I believe that this full life is another way of saying you're living the Jesus way. He gives us a great example. And I believe that if you are ready for it, it is time for you to say it's time for something new. I want to give you one more thought. When it comes to this message, when it comes to what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks, I believe that the Jesus way is the best way. And I hope you believe that too this morning. I hope you believe and, and I hope that you might be making commitment to saying yes today or for the first time ever that you are going to enter into the Jesus way. Because I believe that despite the other ways of life, the other groupings that we might be able to find ourselves in, the other things, the other stuff, things that this generation perhaps is able to throw on us, this way of life throws on us, I believe that there's another way to go about things. I don't believe that it means trying to avoid it. Hear me now. I don't believe that it means just trying to find a cave and go hide in it. And, and I don't believe it means that you are to build some kind of an igloo or a fortress or some kind of tent that you can hide in and shelter yourself from what's going on around us because that doesn't speak to in any way, shape, or form unity, belonging, because who you don't belong if you're hiding. Um, it speaks against all of the things that we feel like we're out going to find. And so what I want you to know is that this Jesus way doesn't, put you in a corner. 
this Jesus way doesn't put you in a box where you feel like you only got this much space to, to hit your shoulders up against before you just feel trapped. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This Jesus way opens your life up to possibilities that you never thought were possible. That you never thought were possible. So I, I want to speak to a couple of different kinds of people that might be in this room. You might have been someone who walked in this morning to church for the 10,000th time. Are you with me? You, you've been at this for a while, right? You, you've been walking with Jesus for a while, and this might not be your first rodeo. This is, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to hear. Is I want you to think back on the last time you said yes to Jesus. And I don't want to hear the date or the day you got baptized. I want to hear the moment where you were sitting there in your rocking chair, where you were driving to work, where you were walking to work, walking somewhere, and you were like, you know what? I need to realize again that in a, in a while I haven't really committed this to memory, that I'm living for something else. And that there's a new way of life that I have said yes to a while back. And I need to bring that back up to memory. So can I say something to you this morning? Say yes today. Say yes again to the Jesus way. You might be in here. And maybe you, you've been at this Jesus thing for a little bit. Maybe the last year or two or three, you've said yes to following Jesus for the very first time. I'm so glad. But over the last six months, year, two years, three years, any time since you said yes for that first time, I, I can almost imagine that there were a few moments where you felt like giving up. And, and you felt like this, this decision that I have made is not worth it. And so you being in this room right now might be kind of a make or break. And, and you might be checking out this new church for the first time because it's like, I've been burnt by that church and that church and that person's burnt me before and I'll give this thing one more shot. Can I say something to you, if that's you? I really do believe that you're in a safe place to wrestle with that. I'm not asking you to get that out of your mind, and I'm not asking you to just bury that feeling. What I'm asking you to do is to buckle down, and would you journey with us and provide that safe place? We want to provide that safe place for you to be able to wrestle with that. Okay? And I want to speak to the people that maybe you can't think of a time where you have made that definitive yes to the Jesus way where you have kind of come to an understanding where the, the life and, and the journey and the path that you have put yourself on might not be the best one, where you're making a conscious decision to say, I'm kind of done with that habit, I'm kind of done with this path, this way of thinking, this way of living, and I'm going to make a physical decision and a turning away from what was so that something new can happen in my life. If you have not come to a place where you have made that definitive decision where the old is going to pass away and I'm going to step into something new. What I want you to, to know this morning is that you are freely invited to make such a decision. Absolutely freely invited to make such a decision. And I believe that 
that it's not me that's inviting you into making that decision. I believe that God, who, who loves you and cares about you and your life, I believe that he cares about you so much that it's actually him who is calling you this morning to make such a decision. And if that is you this morning, this is what I would like to ask of you, is for you to know that today is not the end, that your whole life wasn't leading up to this, just this moment and then it's over, but what I want you to know is that today is the first day of the rest of your life. We can talk about how today's the first day of the rest of Reachway's life, and that's true, and that's, that's beautiful. But I'm, I'm concerned with the person in here <clears throat> who doesn't feel like that they have made that definitive decision, turning away from the old, letting it pass away, and letting God follow you and carry you through this new life that he is making possible for you on this earth today right now. And if you are in a position where you would like to make such a decision, in a couple of moments, we're going to end our time together in a time that we like to call a response time. During this time, there's going to be a couple different things going on. Uh, we're going to be serving communion. And, and I am actually going to be right over here. And I want to give this kind of an invitation. If, if you're in this room and, and you're making that decision for the first time today to say yes to the Jesus way, I would love to pray with you. I would love to meet you. I would love to look you in the eye and welcome you in to the Reachway family. And I would love for us to pray together. Um, but I would also say this. If you're in this room right now and you just need someone to pray with you about something, <laughs> um, this is also absolutely a time for that. So if God is bringing something to your mind right now that you would like to put some time aside and pray about that thing, I would also invite you to, to find me during this response time. So I would like to invite a couple of people up that are going to lead us in this response time. Our worship team can come ahead and come up. And I'd also like to invite up uh, Dr. Scott Sherwood, who is a great, great friend of mine. He is one of my leaders. Um, he is one of my mentors, and he's my boss. And we both have the same boss, and that's Jesus. Um, and, and so he's going he's gonna to serve communion for us. Um, I will say this. Uh, Reachway is a part of a larger network of churches. And it kind of occupies the space from Rockford and then kind of hooking down by Aurora and then a little bit south of us here. And he oversees every pastor, every leader, every church, every church board. And it's, it's the heart that God gave him and the people around him that is making this day possible, that is making this church possible. Um, so I would love if we could actually thank him uh, this morning. Um, there are people that are praying for us right now, believe me. There, there are people that are, are just so passionately cheering on Reachway Church in Peoria, in the North Valley. You wouldn't even believe how many people have been praying for you today. It's pretty cool. Um, so Scott's going to be serving communion. And, and I want to speak to communion. Jesus does this uh, for the first time a whole long time ago. And, and he does it for a few things. The first one is that he invites us to remember. He, he uses imagery once again with bread and wine or bread and juice or, or whatever. And, and he uses that imagery that represents his body broken for us. 
and his blood shed for us, offering forgiveness of sins, life made new, eternal life with him, a new life made possible here on earth. So Jesus first invites us to remember what he has done in your life, what he is making possible for you in this life. But he also invites us to respond. Right now, I believe that God is bringing to mind a decision you need to make, a habit you need to drop, a habit you need to pick up, someone you need to apologize to, someone you need to pray for, a decision you need to make at work or in your family life or in your home life or in your spiritual life. I believe that in this moment, Jesus is bringing to mind the thing that you need to respond to. And he's kind of he's saying, would you say yes? Would you say yes to me? Would you say yes to the thing that I am bringing to your mind right now? This is a moment of response for you. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. And then whenever you are ready, when you are ready, you can stand and, and come forward, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup of juice. You can eat it there. You can bring it back to your seat and take some time. However you want this moment to look for you. Um, and I do believe that this is a moment that Jesus is present in. I believe that his spirit is here with us, speaking to us, bringing things to mind, bringing things to memory. And I also believe that this is a meal that anyone can participate in. If you've never had communion before, maybe today is your first time. I want you to know that you are welcome, but more than that, Jesus welcomes you to this moment. So would you stand? Would you pray with me?